Amen. Good morning again, church. Um, it's, uh, it is a beautiful day that uh, we all have to uh, be again on the spur line. Um, we're all alive. We're all breathing. Um, we're all on uh, the land of the living. And that's, uh, that's enough. That's more than enough. Um, certainly the icing on the cake is that uh, while we are living, we're also um, working towards and, and building upon, or, or rather assuring our place in heaven um, as we go along. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing in and of itself to know that even on a beautiful day like today, um, while we are able to enjoy relative freedoms and, and blessings and the like, that um, there is something so much more beautiful and so much more great uh, awaiting each and every one of us um, as long as we live um, faithfully until death. And uh, that's <clears throat> one thing I wanted to talk about this morning, about living faithfully until death, because um, while that certainly is the, the requirement, um, there is no getting around that. Um, that uh, um, while it, it, the scripture says live faithfully until death, it doesn't say that um, that is not to say that we will have lived our entire lives faithfully, but we are to live faithfully until death. So there has to be a, a, a stream of uh, of faithfulness up until the point of death um, that uh, must be in place in order for us to make heaven our home. Um, if you are unfaithful and you die, well then obviously that uh, that wouldn't meet the, the mark um, as stated in the book of Revelations, the, uh, the second chapter. Um, so when I, <clears throat> I got to thinking about... Um, living faithfully and, and how some moments in my life where I haven't lived faithfully. But all glory be to God that um, the day after those moments, I woke up and I was given another opportunity to live faithfully until death. And uh, as you probably noted from um, the scripture reading this morning from Jonah, the third chapter, um, verses 5 through 10, um, that this, this same opportunity was given to the Ninevites. And um, while none of the Ninevites were uh, members of the body of Christ or the Church of Christ, for the Church of Christ had not been established at this time. Um, but uh, analogous to um, the people of Nineveh were given an opportunity to live faithfully until death. Um, obviously, uh, Jonah was sent as an ambassador, um, as an evangelist, as a mouthpiece for the Almighty God. He was commanded to go and to preach to the Ninevites, um, asking them to repent of their wayward living um, or face destruction twice. Not just physical destruction, but also a spiritual destruction afterwards. And Jonah, you know, obviously we know the story of Jonah, how um, he, he felt, you know, with his little feeble human brain that 
Um, there wasn't any real value in, in making himself uncomfortable um, or doing something that was already predetermined that, as he puts it, how God is merciful and he would have, um, he just didn't find the value in making the journey um, if God was already going to uh, spare their lives by virtue of the fact that God had sent Jonah in the first place. But I won't go into that. Um, but in, in Jonah, the third chapter, um, verses 5 through 10, um, what we see here is a group of people, um, and certainly their king, who made a decree that uh, they were going to spend their time in a, um, a nationwide uh, period of repentance and an active um, remission. I don't want to say remission, that's not the right word I'm searching for, uh, but an active um, remorse uh, for the sins that uh, they had committed, such that at that time, nor as it says in, in, those, in that verse there, that uh, the king decreed that neither man nor beast would eat or drink, but would spend their time um, wearing sackcloth, laying in ashes, um, asking for forgiveness, um, and as, an, as again, an act of, of, of remorse for their wayward living. And there are some, there's a verse in particular that I want to jump into um, in the course of this lesson, but I do want to start off by reading from uh, the book of Romans. <clears throat> and uh, as we go through this lesson, I'm going to touch on a few things. One of those um, being... Uh, that we have to uh, perform acts, um, you know, as we as we read uh, last Lord's Day that, you know, we aren't to just love in word and, in, um, you know, in, in word, but we are to love in, in deed and in truth. Um, and that's an important aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that uh, it is not enough to just believe. In God, it's not enough to just believe in the gospel. It's not enough to uh, believe in heaven or hell. Um, that belief has to be manifested in the form of an action. Um, and uh, James talks about that uh, in great detail um, about uh, you know uh, a dead faith <clears throat> is uh, of no value. I mean, we'll get into that uh, here in a little bit. I don't want to jump ahead, but. Again, in Romans, the fourth chapter, um, talking about the, the uh, justification of, of Abraham, um, how Abraham was justified by an active faith. Um, and just to kind of give some context, Abraham was visited by an angel of God who told him, or he was Abram at the time, uh, who told him to, to leave his family, leave all of the comforts, um, that uh, he had been accustomed to and to go out into a strange land um, and allow himself to be guided by God to a place where he would give him um, wherein <clears throat> all nations would be blessed. Uh, as it states, it's a, it would be a land overflowing with, with milk and honey. And in Romans, the uh, fourth chapter again, um, starting at verse number 16, 
It reads, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, and not, and not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who, quickened, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Um, and, I'll, and we'll unpack that here in a few moments. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to them which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, and he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And, uh, and it, just concluding the thought in verse number 22, it says, And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness, or it was uh, equated to him, um, for for righteousness, and I want to <clears throat> again unpack um, verse number seventeen, the latter part of that. Um, you know who is who is dead. Um, we know in the Old Testament scripture that uh, the promise um, of this everlasting kingdom, uh, this this place in a land overflowing with milk and honey, was only given to um, those of of Abraham's seed, even though. At the very beginning, uh, God's, God told Abraham that uh, all nations uh, would be blessed and that his seed would become as innumerable as the sands on the seashore. Uh, but we read here in the latter part of verse number 17 that, <clears throat> again, um, God, even God, um, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, is referencing um, the uh, all of us, um, those Gentiles, those heathen, um, those who were not a part of the promise, who um, were not a part of uh, the the Hebrew slash Hebrew slash Jewish uh, diaspora. Um, God has quickened us through His Son Jesus, um, who has given us life. Um, the same promises that. Uh, uh, those of the Jews had the Hebrews, the Israelites, etc. Um, those who are who uh, who are the bloodline of Abraham. Um, we are no longer outside. Um, we are given um, access to the promise um, because we are all of the faith of Abraham. And what does it mean to have the faith of Abraham? It's to believe against belief or believe against evidence. Um, and what he did was, as it states in verses 19 through 21, um, he believed while yet he was a man of advanced age, and while, yes, Sarah, his wife, was beyond childbearing years, um, they did something. And I'm not going, I'm, I'm not, you know, certainly not going to get, uh, um, um, well, we all know what, uh, what had to have happened in order for Abraham and Sarah to bear a child. Um, and I would say that again, that 
while he believed, there was an action based on that belief. Um, and that's the important thing I want to I want to reference here is that while he was yet at advanced age and while yet Sarah was beyond childbearing years, he acted upon his faith. And as it says in uh, verse number twenty, it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And I want to say that is exactly what saved the Ninevites from destruction. Um, they believed in the message that Jonah had delivered them to the extent that that faith and that belief was manifested in an action. And that is the faith of Abraham, or as, as it says in verse number 16, um, in, you know, the faith of Abraham could certainly be a, a, a tagline or a descriptive name, um, descriptive language for those who are members of the body of Christ is that we are all of the faith of Abraham. And what that means is that our faith has action. Um, and while we don't have evidence that... Uh, um, we don't have a, you know, a, a direct line of evidence saying that if I do this, this will occur. We do it nonetheless because we are strong in the faith and we believe that God is able to carry out every single thing that he is able, uh, that he has promised that he will do. Uh, to that extent, we know that um, in the scripture it says that if we go to God asking for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us our trespasses. And that is a promise. And I would guess I would say, you know, it's just kind of a, an internal dialogue for you this morning, is do you believe that? Um, do you believe, while well, you know, you don't have evidence, you cannot see, you know, Jesus kind of, or excuse me, God, um, you know, erasing that evil deed from the book of deeds, if you will. Um, do you believe um, is your faith strong enough? Um, do you believe that God will uh, forgive you of your sins? And based on that strong belief, does that manifest itself in an action? Do you kind of continue to languish um, with that? Do you continue to struggle with it? Um, you know, flip it over and toss it about in your mind. Um, do you walk? Do you walk around with deep despair and anxiety? Not truly kind of on the fence as to whether or not God has forgiven you or not. If you are strong in the faith, if you have the faith of Abraham, that is not a part of the equation for you. Um, you can go back and you can look at uh, Hebrews, uh, the fourth chapter, um, where it talks about Rahab, the prostitute, um, who um, received the, uh, the spies in the city of Jericho. Um, her lifestyle certainly was not keeping with the lifestyle that God would want each and every one of us to have. But she believed enough of what these spies had mentioned to her that if, if she helped them escape the, the walls of Jericho, um, that God would spare her and her family, even though she was a prostitute, um, a woman for hire. Yet she believed enough 
and she had faith enough that even with the act of helping the spies, that God would forgive her of her trespasses and spare her life. And he did. And she is written as one of the, the many men and women of faith in the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of James. In uh, James, the uh, first chapter and verse number six, it says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. And, you know, that, that particular verse, I mean, that particular sentence is extremely powerful. Um, <clears throat> you can tell um, people when they're unsure about what they're saying or the thoughts in their mind just by listening to their voice. Um, and I would say that's really kind of the, uh, um, the, um, <laughs> the anxiety of giving a lesson um, without, without you actually seeing my face. Um, because without seeing my face, you can experience maybe some of the underlining emotions and thoughts just by listening to the, the sound and the intonation of my voice. Um, and you can hear it with others as well on the phone, you know, um, while you, you know your child, um, and you can hear the underlining angst and anguish underneath your child's voice just by listening to it. Um, and you can hear the wavering, the uncertainty, the unstableness in that voice. And certainly God can hear that same thing in your spiritual voice when you go to him in prayer. And James uh, talks about this, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And I, I want to just... Um, go back to just just hold that verse in your mind for for a few moments about again where it says in verse number seven you know if you go to God in prayer um, and or or you you make a request to God and you're wavering in that request it says for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord just, just let that resonate, and then go back to the scripture reading this morning. Um, in Jonah, the third chapter, and uh, we'll start again at verse number 8. It says, um, and this is the, the king of, of Nineveh, his decree um, to his people. He says, but let not man and beast be covered, excuse me, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Um, and again, that's, you know, a decree if there is any decree. Um, you know, I, <laughs> it would be nice if our president and, and uh, you know, the, the, the people that sit in the seats of Congress would make such a decree. That uh, let us, you know, uh, humble ourselves before the almighty hand of God. And in essence, that's what they did. 
um, and cry out for forgiveness. But not just that, um, but turn away from their evil way. And why did he tell them to do this? And this is an interesting verse. I've read it, I, you know, I, I don't want to say a million times because that would be hyperbole, but um, I've read this many times and it didn't strike me until um, I read it recently. Um, he told them to turn away from, uh, he told all the people to turn away from his evil way and for the violence that is in their hands. And verse number nine, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And that was a, a very human question. And I, I would say that I too have, have pondered with that question as well as who can tell if, if God has truly forgiven me or any one of us from our, from our transgressions? Um, but the king had enough wisdom to know that the only way to, um, uh, you know, to, to make that or increase the probability that God would truly, in fact, um, repent and turn away from his fierce anger was that the people first had to do something. They had to act in a certain way. Uh, this really goes back to what John the Baptist told the Pharisees when uh, the Pharisees came to John the Baptist and met him out in the wilderness um, to partake in the baptism of repentance. He told them, to, he called them a, a generation of vipers. Um, and before they could partake in the baptism of repentance, this, this act of repentance, he told them that they first had to bring forth, that they first had to bring forth fruit worthy of that repentance. And that's what the king of Nineveh was trying to do. He was trying to bring forth fruits worthy of God's repentance. And it says in verse number 10 that God, and this is in Jonah, the third chapter in verse number 10, and it says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. And... That's a, a great example of the, even though it was in the Old Testament, um, the, the faith of Abraham. Um, you know, there is a process that we must go through. Um, 2 Corinthians talks about this in great detail about, uh, about repentance, about the um, vindication, about the... Um, you know, all of these works, these actions of our, of our bodies and the actions of our spirit that we must go through in order to, um, you know, in order to bring about repentance that is worthy of salvation. And what James is talking about in James, the first chapter and verse number seven, is if we do not go to God, uh, or if we fail to go to God with a, an active faith, or a faith that results in action, um, that faith is, or that request, is done in wavering. Um, and we cannot expect God, um, as it says in verse number 7, and these aren't my words, this is the you know from the scripture, it says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord, or anything of the Lord. 
there shouldn't be an earnest expectation from any one of us um, if we are not willing and able to put our faith into action that God will in turn act um, in our best interest or and certainly carry out the request that we have made uh, to him in prayer. In verse number eight, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Continuing on, <clears throat> you know, in James, the first chapter, it says if any, uh, well, let's, let's, let's start at uh, verse number 19 of James, the first chapter it says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, excuse me, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers also. I mean, and I and I apologize, I'm putting words that aren't there, so I'm going to read it again. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man is. He is, but whoso looketh into the perfect law, excuse me, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to read that verse again. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and strode away, forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And again, it, um, it speaks to uh, this action. And again, uh, I, I believe that's the answer to the question, how do I know if God has forgiven me of my trespass? Um, how do I know if, if um, my repentance is, is worthy? Um, well, first off, it starts off with a, uh, a strong faith in God. Um, and it, and, and by virtue of that, it also, um, starts off with believing two immutable facts about God. One of which is that it is impossible for God to lie. I'm just going to let that linger there for a few moments. It is impossible for God to lie. And if we all believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is also the word of God, then everything that is written in the gospel is truth. It is not a lie. And if God says that godly sorrow worketh repentance... Yea, what indignation, yea, what vehement desire, etc., etc., as is written in 2 Corinthians. Um, and for those of you who are jotting down notes, that would be in 2 Corinthians, the. Give me one second here. 
just had it marked. 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. If God says that, you know, through all those things that, that one must do in order to be repentant of their sins, certainly as it says in verse number 11, in doing so you are cleared and approved. If God, if it is impossible for God to lie, if you have a strong faith in all the things that God has written and all the things that um, certainly is written here in this Holy Bible that we have sitting in front of us all, <clears throat> then if we do all of the things that God has told us to do in order to be forgiven, then the last part of it is that we need to act as if we believe it. Because in order for... Abraham was not justified based off of just him simply saying that he believes. Um, but it was based off of his action. And again, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but his son Isaac was born while he was a hundred years old and his wife was beyond childbearing age. It wasn't enough for him to just say, yeah, God, I believe that you were going to give me a son from this woman. He believed God enough to act upon that. And as a husband and a wife, they acted in such a manner because they believed that it was impossible for God to lie. And yes, Sarah became pregnant and bore a child. They hoped, they believed against belief, um, or uh, while there was no physical, uh, all of the odds were against them. Um, there, were, there were challenges around every corner. Um, the task seemed insurmountable. But if you believe that it is impossible for God to lie, if you have the faith of Abraham, you will act as if he cannot lie. You will act as if all the things that he has said are truth. I want to leave, um, finish with uh, one final verse. If you, <clears throat> if you will, turn your Bibles to the, the book of uh, Philippians. And um, where do I want to start? Let's look at uh, Philippians, the uh, fourth chapter. In uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter and verse number one, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Deus, and beseech Syntech, and I know I'm 
saying that uh, that name incorrectly, but um, if somebody has a proper pronunciation, please let me know. Um, but we'll go with that for the time being. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are written in the book of life. I want to stop there. Um, what was the evidence to, uh, to Paul? Um, and we know that Paul wrote this epistle to the uh, church in Philippi. How did he know that these women had their names written in the book of life? Did, did Paul have access to it? Did, um, did Jesus or, or God, you know, reveal that to him in, um, in some way, shape, or form? Well, the answer to that question is, well, I don't know. Um, because the scripture doesn't say that Paul had that type of access to the book of life. But what I do know is that he considered these women to be um, his dearly beloved, his brethren, um, his his joy and his crown. Um, he's, he also said that they had the same mind in the Lord. And how did he know this? He says in verse number three, um, as he as he wrote this epistle to the the brethren at church at the church in Philippi, he said, "I entreat thee also, true yoke, you, you, true yoke fellow, help those women." which labored with me in the gospel, whose names are in the book of life. And whether he had, uh, again, whether Paul had, had insights that, are, that, um, that aren't written here in the New Testament Scripture, I don't know. But what I do know is that because they were workers, because they were out there um, laboring um, with Paul and with Clement in the gospel. He said that their names were written in the book of life. And that may not resonate with you um, entirely. Um, so if you were to go and take a look at what it says in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, um, as it says... Starting at verse number 6, Paul says this, For I am now ready to be offered, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto, but unto all them also that love his appearance. And there is active faith written throughout all of that passage. And certainly, um, Eudeus and Syntec, and again, I, I know I'm butchering that, um, you can see that even with those two women, there was an active faith. They were manifesting their solid and strong faith in, the, in God, and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the extent that they acted as such. 
You know, the, the scripture tells us that we are to be light set upon a hill. And in a very real sense, everyone should know, um, everyone in your in your close circle of friends and associates should know that you are a member of the body of Christ, that you are a child of God. And if they don't, then I would say that you are one who is not strong in the faith. There is something wavering there. And if there is something wavering in there, then when you ask God for anything, there shouldn't be an earnest expectation that you receive it. And this isn't Thomas Garner speaking, this is the Word of God speaking. Abraham was justified by an active faith. The Ninevites were spared destruction because of an active faith. And all of us who are of the faith need to be active as well. So the lesson is yours again. Um, if you're here this morning and uh, there has been some, maybe in circumstances in your life, you just have not been active, you've not been an active participant um, in the faith of God. Meaning, you know, you, you hide that light, you, you suppress it, you don't let it shine. Maybe you're on the fence. Maybe you were added to the body of Christ and, and maybe circumstances, maybe, um, you know, a perverse um, word uh, has entered your brain that has kind of got you on the fence as to whether or not um, God is somebody who sh you should put all of your trust into. Well, I encourage you this morning to... Um, and hopefully these words have been encouraging you to get beyond that. And know that is an, it is impossible for God to lie. Um, and it is only through a strong, active faith in God that any one of us will be able to hear those words at the end of our journey, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Um, and that's really what it means to live faithfully until death. Is that we have to have an active faith until we depart from this life. Um, and that really speaks to those who maybe are um, retired in some aspects of life. You still got to be actively working. Um, as long as God gives you the breath to live, He has also given you the ability to manifest your faith in some form of action. Um, and again, for those who are not members of the body of Christ, um, there is an action that you must do in order to be added to that body. Uh, but it all starts off with hearing the gospel of Christ, um, being taught the basic principles of the oracles of God. Um, and the book of Romans says that one must believe, um, but yet <clears throat> how can one believe unless they first be taught? Um, and that's an important ingredient. You must be taught. Uh, you must believe those things that you were taught. Um, and that belief must be manifested in the form of a change of thinking and a change of lifestyle. And that's what repentance is. Uh, where Jesus told the, the Pharisees, he tells also all of us that, um, that unless we repent, we shall all likewise perish. And as I just referenced in uh, 2 Corinthians, the, uh, uh, the, uh, was it the 11th chapter, um, where it talks about repentance. Um, and then one must 
confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God again in uh, an action of faith, um, where Jesus said to, uh, to us that him who confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. One must be baptized. Again, another act of faith where um, it states in Acts, the second chapter, that one must be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in order to be remiss of their sins um, and given the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then lastly, another act of faith, which is to live faithfully until death in order to obtain a crown of life. So again, um, after the Song of Invitation, uh, the floor will be open to anyone who needs to request a prayer. Thank you very much for your time.